Aloha and welcome to the Solar Coaster live show here with Josh Porter and Jason Burkhardt in Makoau, Maui. We're at our home studio. We're so stoked to be back in the studio again. This feels like the days of old in the Kaoi radio studio because we set it up kind of mimicking that, Jay. Absolutely. Um, thrilled to be back and it's... You did, you, did, you did a good job. Did okay. Eat the <laughs> mic, Jay. Eat the mic, Jay. Yep, yep. All right. Yeah. Don't make me look at you. We've got some great guests on, and today we're talking about the Mililani Project. I just tried to rehearse it a moment ago, and I, I botched it. The Mililani Project, which is one of the first RFP Phase 1 utility-scale uh, deployments to be successfully deployed in Oahu. We've been following this from the very beginning and cut loads of shows on all of the community engagement and all of the awardees and everything, and now we're actually at a point this is momentous to see one of these projects just got commissioned governor Ige came out there's a whole bunch of brouhaha so why don't we um get started if you don't mind with um with well actually who would like to start who would be the first person to talk about their company and the uh the, maybe uh, Nicola would you like to be the starting point here sure yeah I'm happy to jump in thanks so much for having me on the podcast I'm looking forward yeah, to the conversation pleasure. Uh, so I'm Nicola Park. I'm the origination manager for Clearway Energy Group. Uh, I've been heading up Clearway's utility scale solar development for the past five years. I've been developing utility scale projects in Hawaii for the past 10. And um, yeah, I, I guess a little bit of background. I did work at Sun Edison prior to that and um, NRG at the time acquired the development assets um, from the Sun Edison bankruptcy that became Clearway's first projects here. So we actually operate 110 megawatts on Oahu currently. And so this Mililani project represents our fourth project that we brought online successfully. Um, I should say uh, Josh Myers, who's on the podcast as well today, Moss, you know, has been a partner for all of those projects. Um, and our fifth project that is uh, mid construction currently and hopefully due to come online by the end of this year. Nice. Uh, so that, that's a little bit of background about our, our portfolio. Happy to share more. Fantastic. And Nicola, are you the basically the prime contractor of record? Is that what your your company's role is? Or how would you categorize your company? I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Clearway is the developer in the project. So we, right. you know, develop, originate, and ultimately own and operate the project. So we finance the project and ultimately own and operate the projects. Understood. Um, Understood. Yeah. And Moss in this is, you know, the general contractor that's constructing the project, taking it through commissioning. Got it. Got it. Okay, perfect segue to get over to Josh with that amazing background there and learn a little bit about the uh, his company and about his background. So I want to jump in, Josh. Well, Aloha. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on this podcast. I have followed it in the past, and uh, I always enjoy it. So it's certainly a good chance to celebrate the Mililani project. And as Nicola was saying, um, we've been working in Clearway um, for the last five years, a little over five years in several projects. I'm the VP of Hawaii Energy for Moss. Um, in uh, Hawaii, we have the energy um, division. We also um, are the contractor for housing projects. In fact, one that's uh, coming up down here right now. Um, um, so we do a little bit We like to pride ourselves in the fact that we're serving some of Hawaii's biggest needs, right? Independence, housing. Um, that's really Moss in Hawaii. Um, Moss as a company is a, is a large EPC contractor. He is the engineering, he is the procurement, he is the construction uh, on the mainland as well. Um, so we have a bit of a national, a national 
Uh, prior to working with Moss, I worked with Bernie Seasolder uh, here in the islands for many years, doing a lot of the C and I, then prior to that, I um, was working at SunPower. Um, so my, my time in renewables stretches way back, uh, which is kind of fun. I um, reconnected with people in the industry. I'm, I'm good friends with uh, Nicholas Husband, who I worked with at REC Solar. We were making a one at the time, one megawatt projects for farmers in the Central Valley. This is going back several years. So it's a small industry and you know, we're all connected in one way or the other. So these opportunities are, are fun. It's fun to get together. Wow, wow. That's amazing. Coming from that time where the one megawatt sounds like maybe fit projects or something like that were, that were getting installed, the yeah. feet and tariffs, yeah. right? And uh, and now to be at this uh, utility scale, and we're look, we're talking about what are we? Uh, how many how many uh, megs are is this project? Nulani is thirty nine megawatts and one hundred and fifty six megawatt hours of battery storage. Isn't that isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Yeah. I remember those days, Josh. <laughs> the, the smaller projects. I worked for a smaller developer, Axio Power, um, back in the day before Sun Edison, and those five megawatt projects, you know, seemed really big, and ten megawatt projects seemed really big at the time. Now it's a whole different world. Now it's a whole different world. Now you're moving into the, the tens of megawatts. And now, of course, everything is coupled with storage, which is its own kind of amazing uh, uh, kind of reality that we're in this place where we have batteries of this scale. Now, okay, one of the things that we actually, this this podcast was organized by, uh, well, was suggested by Next Tracker, and we've been big fans of Next Tracker. We're going to jump over to Craig next and learn a little bit about his technology. I, I'm just, I'm like kind of in awe of Next Tracker. It's such a cool thing because you have these great displays in the trade shows and there and i'm able to see the way that ai plays into it and all that so i've actually never been which, near and i'm going to talk about that we've <laughs> never been near a next tracker project like right there so i can't wait to actually get up there and go that is what they're talking about so craig uh, welcome to the show please uh, tell us a little about yourself and, and maybe intro next tracker to a bit thanks and i'm excited to join join the conversation with you guys um so i'm craig wildman I'm a product line manager at Next Tracker of the product that we deployed at Nilalani. Next Tracker shipped 60 gigawatts of trackers around the world. And this is our first project in Hawaii, and we're very proud of that. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not our last. Uh, so we're excited to, to do a project there. And we deployed a new product at the site. And so it's it's a it's it's a neat, even though in spite of the volume of that's trackers going everywhere. It's it's a really neat project for us. And we're excited about that. Awesome. Welcome to the show. And you know, one, one of the things about um about trackers is we when they started to become more um, popular, we've talked about them on the show as kind of, let's say enthusiasts, certainly not experts, but, and when we think about them in the past, we thought, okay, well, in higher latitudes globally, they're gonna make a lot of sense because you're gonna be able to, you know, track that sun, keep the angle of incidence right, and then you're gonna be able to get better over, overall curves uh, daily and, you know, seasonally. And, but now we're seeing them in places that are in these kind of closer to the uh, equator uh, 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 locations. And I wonder about that. I wonder about what the decisions are. Also, so there's the AI stuff. So, you know, we're a big tech enthusiast. So we can't wait to learn a little bit more about that. So when the time's right, I want to dig into all of that great stuff. Okay. Um, so you got this great project, folks. Uh, you have this project, Nudalani. Where is it? Tell us about the stats. Tell us about the scope of it. You know, how many acres of land? Who wants to jump on that one? Sure. Happy to jump in there. So yeah, as I mentioned, the project's 39 megawatts. It is paired with battery storage. That's 156 megawatt hours or four hours. And the primary use case is to load shift that daytime solar production into the evening peak. 
you know, when it's needed most really after the sun goes down on our grid. Yep. Uh, the project uses 123,000 PV panels um, and, and is a tracker, obviously. Um, so we're really maximizing power generation with uh, those bifacial modules tracking the sun. Uh, the project will generate enough electricity to power more than 14,000 homes um, and represents a $140 million investment um, just in that project alone. Uh, so, you know, combined, there's a lot of benefits as well, apart from obvious, you know, benefits of uh, emissions reductions and moving away from volatile fossil fuels. Um, the project also contributes to local tax um, base, the city and county, up to you know, $9 million uh, in taxes across the two projects, um, as well as creating a lot of local union jobs. So this project alone created 460 union jobs. Wow. Um, yeah, so, so lots of, you know, positive stats there. The project itself covers about 131 acres, and it's in the Mililani Ag Park. So if you kind of know... Lani Kuhana Avenue and Mehiula Parkway. It's at that intersection there in the Milani Ag Park. And, you know, the remaining use of that land is our first project, Lani Kuhana, which is 14.7 megawatts of solar only that came online in 2019. And then the surrounding area is farmed. So there's um, local farmers, Southern Turf, it's located there, um, and some of those local businesses that surround the area. So that land is owned by Clearway. Uh, was acquired from Castle and Cook uh, prior to the Lanikuhana project. Wow. So yeah, I know land control out here is a big part of that um, process, you know, finding the right spot that make, you know, and then a lot of the times it's leased, but you actually own it. That's interesting in and of itself. Right. Um, okay. So you just had this amazing project commission. Thank you for all the stats there. And you had governor Ige out there. What did it feel like anyone who wants to jump in? What did it feel like to get to that kind of uh turn on moment and where the community was able to say, wow, this thing is actually done. Well, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and really, yeah, it, felt, it felt amazing because all projects are hard to deploy, right? especially you know, large solar projects, cutting edge technologies. It's hard to get there from the beginning to engineering all the way to commission. Um, it's, you know, challenging to get these across the finish line, right? Um, and then add to that, the supply chain crisis and COVID added a whole other layer of complexity and challenges. So, you know, it's this combination of already challenging project execution coupled with, you know, the timing of these events that are going to come. So actually getting to a point where the project it was very collaborative. A lot of the stakeholders that were involved, right, came to this event and it felt amazing and it felt very relieving, right, that we got to this point. A lot of high fiving and a lot of yes, we got here and we had that vibe to it. Amazing. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, I, I, I do wonder how long did it take? When did it actually be? I remember when RFP, this was part of RFP phase one, right? Phase one, yeah. So uh, after the uh, um, that RFP was issued and then you went out and you, you bid, I remember looking at the bidding process. It was not, a, not an easy process, right? And then um, you finally awarded and then through to then, of course, the, somewhere around there, the pandemic picks up and you got that new uh, interesting thing to, to navigate. I mean, when did it all begin? Like, what was the arc of that? How many years was this project underway? Oh, geez. I mean, the, this project goes way back. Um, for, for Clearway, yes, yes, it did start in the um, stage one RFP. The project was bid. It is the first of the renewable dispatchable generation PPAs that's been financed and built, which is a great success. 
um, you know, out of many projects now that will come online on Oahu out of the stage one and stage two. I personally have gone back on this site longer than I um, probably would, would prefer to recount. Uh, it was originally uh, a 20 megawatt project divided into um, four or five megawatt chunks. And there were going to be different developers on each five megawatts, almost like a housing development. Um, so I think it's also a testament to the technology that we're putting 39 megawatts on a site that back at that time, you know, almost 10 years ago was going to be 20 megawatts, um, you know, and now has the benefit of grid reliability from battery storage. So quite the right. quite the arc to today. Isn't yeah. that interesting too that you have technological shifts, so shifts in capability of panels, probably to a certain degree. You probably had some new new tech with Next Tracker. You have shifts, if certainly in pricing and capabilities of batteries. So all of that's kind of a very dynamic uh, situation where you're and it's, and you're 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 putting down numbers right in the beginning, aren't you? <laughs> and then you're going, okay, well these factors have changed, you know. So what did, what an arc. So did we say like how many years in total was it again? Do you remember? I'm trying to get a number. I can't, I don't remember. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to think. Very, very early on in the archive. <laughs> that goes back to 2015, Josh. Does that 15, sound right? Yeah. I, think, I think on the development side, I'd say like, you know, the actual need of engineering, right? Like starting the actual engineering or starting the civil engineering, starting the detailed engineering. Um, that, that goes back to 2019. And so you got your engineering phase, you got your tournament happening during that. You've got a pretty long uh, permitting phase. You've got your construction, and then the back end of these projects is quite a bit of time goes into hot commissioning, commissioning the system, and then getting through um, recording eco past the CSAT test, the control system acceptance test, to make sure that the plant can operate reliably on the grid, reliably on the grid, through the eco constraints, but it's still optimized, right? Um, from a developer asset owner perspective, and producing as much as they can. So, all of these projects at the scale have about that same window. Um, you know, and obviously, what we're looking to do collectively is to shorten that time. Yeah. Shorten the time or to COD. That's, that's the common goal. Right, right. Yeah. That That's uh, that's remarkable. Well, I mean, in such a persistence and, and thank you, by the way, because we've watched the process uh, pretty, pretty closely from the very beginning. And it's been challenging for a lot of the largest companies in the world, you know, to get to the stage that you've just been able to achieve. So I'll say two things. Thank you. And I'll say congratulations on achieving something that's pretty remarkable and kind of unprecedented too. You said it was the first one uh, of the dispatchable uh, large-scale solar projects to actually be deployed. So awesome, awesome job, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, shows, we shows need tremendous that. dedication. Yes. It does, so it I, does. I, I exactly what I wanted to. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. And they threw a pandemic in there just to boot. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> if we can, I'd love to be able to talk a little bit about the text a little bit more, if we can, like on the next tracker and the bifacials and storage. Uh, who would like to jump in on that? I mean, I'm, what type of storage are you using? Is it, uh, is it a, can you talk about the chemistry or the technology or is there anything uh, that you can kind of share with us? Sure, I can jump in on that. Um, Wardzilla is the integrator uh, that was, you know, a partner contracted for the project. The system does use a CATL um, lithium ion uh, technology. And uh, yeah, I don't know if there's much more to add. Josh, is there anything you'd add on the, the battery? technology itself only that it's you know it's ac coupled okay 
Yeah. So, you know, that's that's always a decision to make. Right. So I think that's an ongoing conversation. Yeah. You know, what, what is the tipping point for making that decision? Uh, where does it make sense? You know, there's a lot of variables. But this, this project is decent. How big is, is it, you say 156 megawatt hours? Is that what I heard? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how big is that? Is that is that physical um, size? Yeah, physically, is it like a couple yeah, of shipping containers, or what's it like? How's it? What's the footprint of it? It's a really big. Icon. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, physically in space, it only takes up. You know, I think that whole area is a couple of acres that is set aside. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it consists of 126 battery units, mm-hmm. okay. and there is some area left on the pad to augment you know, portions of the battery over time. So there's an augmentation schedule based on the degradation schedule of the batteries, and there is some space that's left there you know, on the pads to expand over the 20-year contract term. Oh, that's but- nice that they've planned ahead for that sure and so i think it's smaller than most people picture though too. <laughs> did you say it's a, the the contract is a 20-year term is that correct or did i hear that's right yes it's 20 a 20-year year power purchase agreement with hawaiian electric yeah. gotcha and then do you plan out kind of like upgrades or swap outs of the battery throughout that life cycle yeah it's an augmentation so as there's degradation to keep with the, the contracted capacity of the best you augment to keep up to that capacity with degradation gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. uh you know and then okay so how about the panels what i mean when people think your 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 average joe and your average josh thinks about uh solar you go what kind of panels did you use what is a 39 mega use in in bifacial panels I, i'm just curious I mean, can you tell us a little bit about that yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, so the, I mean, to think about the size of the panels is they're provided by JA Solar. They measure about six and a half feet by three feet. If you can kind of think about that size of the panel, you could see them behind me if you were on the video. <laughs> um, and they're, you know, they're mounted to to the the racking and they're shifting at various angles through the day. I mean, even at the yeah. blessing ceremony, it's pretty neat to see from the beginning of the ceremony on through, you know, the, the panels tracking, um, with the sun to basically flat. At, Please at tell noon. me somebody took a time-lapse. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the time-lapse is dying to see the time-lapse. Yeah. So you got these J, uh, they sound like 72 cell, probably like in the fours or in that kind of territory, you know, of, of wattage, like 400 plus wattage kind of st- yes. ter- yeah. territory. Um, and, and then, then, why, then, and then why bifacials? I mean, that's, that's always, a yeah, that's a big, right? that's a big conversation. That's a great question. Nicola, you can address like the, you know, from a developer asset manager perspective of bifacials um, and, and why the selection. But there's a there's kind of a neat story that goes behind that. Um, you know, getting into the design of development. Nicola, please please jump in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I did confirm they're between 405 and 410 watt. I just confirmed that detail. So yeah, what Josh is alluding to is this new contract form, you know, really critical component is the net energy potential or what the the PV is capable of producing. And so we really look at maximizing that and optimizing that on the project. And so you can imagine the bifaciality where we're getting some boost to the production of the albedo behind the panel is only going to increase that net energy potential or the total possible energy that could be produced and provided to the grid. So the whole compensation structure of these PPAs is based around that, um, what is actually a P95 production factor that is estimated by independent engineers of what the facility can provide, what's dispatchable. 
it's interesting because when I think about um, bifacials, you know, the the kind of I want to use the word legitimacy, meaning that, but I'm not sure it's quite the right word. But it, what, what I mean by that is that you know, monofacial panels are well known, bankable, understood what they can produce in given conditions. And then there's been all this academic kind of rhetoric around bifacials and albedo, and what can they kind of what kind of delta can be increased, can can be can be realized, and, right? Uh, other benefits like getting reflection in snowy climbs to have it kind of melt oh, itself. And, sure, and all sorts of sure, all kinds of good potential jazz. benefits, all right? kinds of good jazz. Yeah. And, and, but in this case, I wonder if like, you know, and this may be a little bit too uh, academic here, but like, is, uh, is that, is that bifacial able to be computed in? Like, are you able to put, are you able to get that kind of in the metrics of the deal? Or is it kind of like, this is bifacial, so it's going to have a little extra, we're going to find out hope. what it is. Yeah. That's you know a good question. question. <laughs> I'm probably not the best person to answer that, but there, my, the short answer is yes, it is right. factored in, gotcha. right? So, an independent engineer is evaluating and our financiers are signing off on that. And now as part of this PPA, HECO is also signing off on that. So Hawaiian Electric reviews the IE report and what it's capable of producing. And that includes, you know, yes, certainly that level of, of detail. Very cool. That's Very cool. Some conversation comes in too, you know, so there's the modeling that goes behind it, right? Yeah. Everybody has to do, but, you know, we were in the process of developing the capacity test, right? The capacity test is really a demonstration of what can the plant actually do. There's months of discussion back and forth between we have folks on the engineering side, right, that are linked into NREL, um, looking at this modeling. And you know, obviously we're in Hawaii, it's not snow, it's not deadly sand. So now you have a bunch of grass, you can see it in the background. So both right. of you have a lot of Kumayaba, right? It's gonna be grass. Let's see how you know grass, right? Who knows yep. this? It's yeah. not really well known. So <laughs> you're back and forth about what can we assume, what can we not assume. Right. I imagine. It'll be interesting academic conversation. Ultimately, you know, on this project, we set up around the number outside, right, uh, for measurement. Um, we try to mimic the conditions of what's underneath the panels to actually see what this game is going to be. But I think time will tell. You know, I think we're all confident that what's been modeled in terms of the overall energy model is correct. But I think we're probably a little conservative, naturally. Yeah, sure. Right, we don't want to overcommit to something that's not going to produce. But it'll be interesting to see after a year, a year and a half, with the different conditions, different times of year, different mowing, right? Different heights of grass, what the actual vibrational gain is going to be. So it it is a, it's a really interesting. Um, yeah, I have, to, I, have to, I have to wonder if there's going to be that cycle where you have production and then you watch it fall off just a little bit and then somebody comes along and mows. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Then what happens? What happens? Um, can I get you to promise to come back next year and talk about that? Because <laughs> we're all very interested. Someone will come back and help. All right. So, okay. So we covered the storage, we covered the site and the, and the scope of it. And then um, of course, we're going to move into next tracker and this glorious technology that not that kind of further optimizes uh, the energy production capability of a solar system. That's what's kind of awesome about it. So I really want to jump over to Craig a little bit and learn about the specific tech that's been deployed here. Single axis, dual axis, AI, what kind of cool cool stuff's going on? You know, like how, how, what, 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 what have you deployed here? What, what does it do? Sure. So it's a, it's a single axis tracker that, uh, and our, our scope is, is the tracker, so the mechanical structure that supports the panels and tracks the sun from east to west of the day. Uh, as far as the bifacial uh, conversation goes, 
we help with that by characterizing the impact of the structure. So the metal parts, the cabling, that sort of thing uh, can impact the model a little bit. And, and both we designed the tracker to be to minimize that as well as to, to provide the, um, the model assumptions so that Josh's model and, and Nicola's are accurate. Sure. Uh, we don't know what the grass is doing, but we know what the metal is doing. Right, right. So, and then the, the tracker uh, itself, it's the NX Gemini uh, tracker product. It's a new product for us. This isn't the first project we deployed it on, but it's one of the early ones. And it's, so it's a two in portrait solar tracker. So there's two panels um, uh, east to west uh, about the, uh, the, a torque tube that goes north to south. So there's a big steel tube and on either side of that tube is one panel. So uh, compared with a one uh, in portrait tracker, this one is shorter and wider. And yeah. so that's, that has two good things about this for some sites. One is that the short wide form factor makes that it, it can follow the boundaries of an irregularly shaped site better. So if your site is not a rectangle, then the question is what, what density can you get? And so with, the, with this tracker, you can, we can follow the boundary a bit better, boost the density. The second thing is that, again, if you say, well, I, I would like to boost the density of the site, I would like to push in as many panels as we can, we can push the, we, you, the trackers can be placed close together with limited shading of one another, and you can still get truck ac access between the rows. So you, you'd think about the ratio between uh, the center line of the tracker and the width of the module. So the closer you space the trackers together, the more they're gonna shade each other. Some of that's tolerable. Uh, but if you have a wider tracker, then for the same ratio of row to row spacing, then the aisle between them is wider as well. Gotcha. So that's, um, so there's these practical matters where you say, okay, let's boost the density of the site. That's, that's Clearway's decision. Uh, and, um, and, and in response to that sort of thing, we're looking at what kinds of products can we offer that where we can say, okay, we're going to, they want to boost the site density. What can we do? Um, and this 2P product was one way we could, we could answer that for this site and, and sites like it. So, so thank you for that. That's, that's a great explanation. And there's some great depth in there too, about, you know, some of the considerations from like, from the perspective of someone, let's say it's just going, what's a tracker, right? You know, what I, the way I tend to think of it is, is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, your standard monofacial panel would be facing basically South and you would have maybe a, uh, a, a 21 degree pitch on it or something in that territory, something matching our, our North latitude. And then the sun would come up East to West and it would have varying angles of incidence on the panel. And then, but now what we're able to do is keep that kind of optimal angle of incidence throughout the entire day. And the resulting issue is just a blockier curve essentially, or like more in the morning and more in the evening. Does that sound about right? Is that a reasonable way to describe it? That's right. Yeah. The, it, that's the one axis tracker helps you point the panel with the sun better. It reduces the cosine loss, the angle of incidence, as you say. And, and yeah, so you can boost the, um, for the same number of panels, you can boost the, the energy output per year. Right. And it makes sense. I wonder what that determining factor is to use the act, the tracker here in Hawaii. I wonder if it's because the cost of land is higher or things like that, where you want to really optimize the space that you have to work in. But I don't know if that's a Nicola question, but it's just fascinating to think about that decision-making process. And you said there is, there can be shading at times, but that's actually can be a tolerable thing uh, in, in order of the full picture, I suppose. Well, that there's the second part, which is that we, we do backtracking where you could picture that uh, if the trackers are spaced close together and the sun is at, um, say, in the morning, 
then you, you say, oh, well, if I'm going to point the, the panels at the sun, then one row would shade the next row. And that shading is not, not ideal. So then we'd say, okay, well, we're not quite going to track the sun directly. We're going to back, we're going to point the panels closer to up yeah. uh, zenith angle. And so do that until, up until the panels no longer shade each other. And then, uh, and then this would improve the, the output, you know, a little bit meaningful over the life of the project. So the first cut is you say, okay, point the panels at the sun, you know, okay, sun's over at 20 degrees from horizontal, great. And then the next cut is you say, all right, well, we don't want to shade. So let's, let's back that off a little bit. So as you do this backtracking algorithm, and that's a wee bit better, and that's that's pretty standard. That makes so much sense because when you think about a tracker, it's always pointing toward the sun, like sunflower has heliotroping, right? Um, but if you have these panels that are smart enough yeah. to know that you know what I'm interfering with the production of the guy next to me, yeah. and they'll actually, it's like you standing in the market and having someone <laughs> step out of the way so you can see what's going on. Is uh, it, <laughs> so does that data come in live or is it programmed? I mean, are you able to make decisions on the fly? Is it happening you know, autonomous from you? Is it got its own brain? Is it like a Jarvis? I mean, how sophisticated is it? There, there, so there's a tracker controller on each tracker and there's a network control unit at the sort of a small number of these per site. And then uh, we, we can we can communicate with the trackers on site uh, over, over, you know, over the internet. And so um, as far as uh, backtracking goes, that's something that can be programmed uh, beforehand. Uh, and, and then we, we can do, we can do fancier stuff than that too. Fantastic. Yeah, but it, the, the answer is yes, they're all yeah. very smart. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for entertaining our, our inner geeks. We really wanted to learn about that. So uh, let's jump back over to Nicola and I really want to get a sense for it. Now that we're at, um, we're starting to see these utility scale systems being deployed and we have dispatchable power and we have a sense of, okay, we're moving along the, the, um, the road to renewables, right? We're moving along closer to our 100% renewable energy mandate, which was, I don't know, was it a decade ago or so that Hawaii was the first state to, 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 to create that 100% uh, you know, renewable energy mandate. How, where are we going from here? What, what, what are your insights as to what you can say about Oahu or about uh, Hawaii in general? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think despite all the challenges and the delays, Hawaii is actually a huge success story um, across the country when you look at, you know, the transition uh, to, to, from, from fossil fuels to renewables. You know, this project sort of represents, you know, the example that you can go from coal to renewables without a transition fuel, which is what's happened across you know most of the country. So I think we're um, we're really uh, leading the way, and and Hawaii is a model for what states across the country uh, can do and are looking to do in a reliable way and in a cost effective way. You know, the cost of power from this project is just under nine cents, and that's a fixed price for twenty years. Um, you know, solar really represents the the cheapest source of power across the country right now. So. Um, I think we're we're on a, a really steady path towards 100%. But but yes, it certainly is is not without its challenges. Right, of course, of course, there are challenges there. And uh, I keep talking to Jay about this language that kind of occurred to me, and it, and it's a, it's a bit uh, philosophical. But I uh, it's I have this idea of of because we have solar in our home, we have starting to get storage, we're starting to get EV chargers, all the stuff that's happening on the residential side, and there's amazing things happening on the commercial side from uh, you know. Uh, 
demand charge reductions and all these great kind of technologies are coming to bear. A lot of it has to do with storage and you on the utility scale side are doing all these amazing things like what we just touched on. But I have this kind of phrase, energy abundance, right? So what happens in a society when we're no longer centrally generating, you know, uh, via fossil fuels, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of elect electrons from, and then, and then trying to get it out to the rest of the island, but we're actually all creating our energy. And then we're able to have more energy than we know what to do with at times, right? So we could kind of get to that place. I mean, I feel like there's, that's around the corner. It's an exciting time because then the question becomes, what do you do with all this energy? What kind of great things can we do in our lives? Well, we can drive awesome cars or we can have all these cool toys or we can, you know, just simply pay lower bills, which most people are probably thinking about top of mind. So it's very cool stuff. All right. So that being said, what other utility scale projects do you have uh, coming down the road? Uh, what is, what's going on? What can you tell us either here in Hawaii or, or if you want to touch on other places too, that's fine. Sure. I mean, the, the most obvious one is the Mililani project, you know, was the first that that was able to stay on schedule, um, you know, and was accelerated by three months. But our, our other project that's coming online um, very soon is Wyava. So that was also a stage one project that's 36 megawatts, also with four hour load shifting storage. And so that actually is the only other project that is due to come online this year out of all those stage one projects. So we think that's a huge success working very closely with Hawaiian Electric and with Moss and all of our partners and suppliers to also bring that project in. Um, so you you're know, the, you, so clear, your company will have the first two out of all of the fir first stage of the RFP? Yes, yes, that's right. So very proud of that. Um, so what's the and, secret you know, sauce here, Nicola? Uh, I, <laughs> what's, right. what's going on? <laughs> You know, I think it's definitely a testament to our team and to our partners. It, it really is. Um, and to our collaboration with Hawaiian Electric, um, with Moss, with our suppliers. I think there's also been a lot of leadership that Hawaii State Energy Office and Governor Ige's administration has shown. You know, the powering task, whole task force kicked off just over a year ago. And, you know, today is actually that momentous day that will be the last day that the coal plant is producing power as of midnight tonight. Um, and so we're, you know, officially move, making cool. that transition. Um, so I think there's been certainly a renewed focus and sense of collaboration uh, and willingness to come up with creative solutions. And it's been, it's been very notable and very meaningful. Um, so I think, you know, it's a testament to the fact that these projects were advanced in their development going into the supply chain challenges, you know, that we faced and the, the new challenges due to COVID, you know, additional to all the other challenges that we have in utility scale development. Um, but, but yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of components that, that have allowed us to be successful. Um, you know, and a lot of that is leadership from the, the state energy office, Governor Ige's administration, the partnership with Hawaiian Electric and, you know, partnership and collaboration with with Moss, Wurzilla, and, and our suppliers that we were able to make this happen. That's fantastic. You know, um, I'll say this. It's a really nice counterpoint to uh, some of the dialogue we were having maybe a few months ago as we started to see some of the projects we were so enthusiastic about here in Maui, for example, not be able to get through, just the bottom line. And when to, to see this coming online, your projects, and to know you've got another one right around the corner, that feels really good. 
because yeah. we were like, uh oh, and now it, we see some 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 real uh, potential to be able to successfully uh, solid moving forward continue <laughs> to do this. Yeah, yeah. So so that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So we're nearing kind of the conclusion of the the podcast here. Uh, are there any uh, final words or any other questions or things that we want to cover before we wrap it up from anybody? Guys, pretty good. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks so much for the time and the focus on this project. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's yeah. the first of many more to come. And you know, Hawaiian Electric has been talking about that and how important, you know, this is the first of 11 more projects that will come online on Oahu. And that's really exciting, you know, at a you know, third of the cost of fossil generation. So um, I think this is just the tip of a spear of a really exciting story that we're we're a part of. Um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, joining us here on the Solar Coaster. We really uh, appreciate all the hard work that you, your great companies, Moss and Next Tracker and Clearway, are all engaged in in helping Hawaii march towards a 100% renewable energy goal. It's important work, and we appreciate it very yeah, much. Don't and we're stop. Congratulations. We're st- <laughs> everything we can say. <laughs> we're stoked to learn about this, some of the the nuances and the details, and then we we'll look forward to seeing some of your future projects uh, deployed uh, successfully as well. So thank you very much for your time today and aloha. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Aloha. Aloha.